Well, good morning. It's great to have everybody worshiping here. And for those of you online, I want to welcome you. Just a reminder that if you're a guest and you're looking for a church home and you're here this morning with us, we're glad you're here. Don't forget to go out to guest services. We've got a great team that would love to talk to you more, answer any questions, give you some information. So hopefully you'll consider making Central your church home and uh, join this amazing family here. Well, this past week, as it was already mentioned, we started Lent. We had Ash Wednesday services, and we began the journey towards Easter, preparing our hearts and getting ready for what is to come. So I want to start with a question, and we'll finish up with this same question, but the question is this. As we're preparing, and Jesus begins his journey over the next several weeks towards the cross, are you and I going to be part of the crowd that stands on the side of the road and watches him walk by? Or are we going to be part of the crowd that is on that road with him, walking right behind him, the same road, step in step, following him wherever he leads us? You know, today's passage, we're in Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 35, and it's all about following Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus. I want to be honest with you and up front that there's some hard things in the passage today. There's no really getting around the words of Jesus. He's very direct and blunt and candid with us. There's something for all of us to wrestle with today. In fact, Jesus, three times he says in this passage, you cannot be my disciple. Now, maybe you're a first time in the church or, or you've never heard the words of Jesus before. And, and in this passage, if that's all you were looking at, you might think or fall in the trap to go, well, if he says you can't be my disciple, is Jesus discouraging me from following him? You and I know that's not the case. Jesus is not trying to discourage anyone from following him. It's why it's important not to look at just this individual passage, but step out and look at the entire context, the story within the story. The verses 25 through 35 in Luke chapter 14, if we look right before it to get some context, we see this parable of the great banquet. And we're not going to get into it in great detail, but in this parable, we learn and we know and we see that the gift of salvation is a free gift from God. You and I can't earn it. We can't pay for it. We don't deserve it. It is a free invitation. And God's desire is for his house to be full. If we look on the other side of our passage right after, we see three parables. The parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And in these parables, we see that God's love is so great for you and I, so great that he wants us to follow him. And when we do, there is great rejoicing in heaven. When those go from lost to found, heaven rejoices. So I hope that as we go through the passage this morning, as, as hard as it might be at times to hear, I hope you and I can stop and realize that where Jesus is coming from today is from a place of unconditional love. Jesus loves you and I so much that he wants to tell us the truth 
And he does it in a very candid and direct way for you and I today. But we're going to see the love of God throughout this passage and throughout this morning. So would you stand with me out of respect for God's word as we read from Luke chapter 14. And we're going to read verses 25 through 35. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, will he send a delegation while The other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. These are the words of Jesus. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray. Lord, help us to hear the truth today and help us to do whatever is needed in our own life to be fully devoted, fully committed disciples of you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Diving straight into the passage, we're going to just kind of walk through it this morning here. And we see in the beginning that there's these large crowds following Jesus. Jesus, at this time, he had been performing miracles. He had fed the multitudes. He had healed the leper. Jairus' daughter, who had been dead, was raised back to life. There was miracle after miracle. And the crowds began to gather because they were hearing about Jesus. They were experiencing him. And they came to see who is this Jesus and what is happening. They were drawn to his ministry as they were impacted by it. And other people they knew were impacted by it. And we all know that a crowd draws even more of a crowd, doesn't it? When there's people gathering, others just want to go and get a glimpse of what's happening. Jesus, knowing the heart of the crowd and knowing our heart this morning, though, he stops and he turns around and says something to them. And he addresses them because he knows that many of them are following him, but just to see what it is that he's going to do, hoping to benefit from him. They're not as concerned about who he is, but rather what he can do for them. They're consuming his ministry, not participating in his ministry. And so Jesus stops and he begins to address their heart. And he says, 
If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, they're even their own lives, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now, it's important when we read that, we hear that word hate, and it, it kind of confuses us a little bit. And so it's important to recognize that that word hate is used in other places of Scripture. And the term really, really what it means is just to love less than. And so what Jesus is asking and what he's saying is that you and I have to love others less than we love him. Now, can you imagine if you're part of the crowd at this time? You see, you and I have the whole story. We, we know how the story ends. We know Jesus. He went to the cross. He died. He rose again. But they didn't have the entire story at this time. They're still trying to figure out who Jesus is. See, they think they're following Jesus to go crown him king, not to go crucify him. And so here, if they're part of the crowd, Jesus says these words. And can you only imagine that, that, that newlywed couple in the crowd, and they're in love with their new wife or their new husband, and all of a sudden Jesus says, hey, you need to love me more than you love them. That would have been hard to hear. Some of you have held that, that grandbaby for the first time in your arms and looked at that grandbaby and that, that love that you felt. There's probably grandparents standing in the crowd holding that grandchild and Jesus says, hey, you need to love me more than you love that grandchild. Again, hard words to hear when they are trying to figure out who exactly is Jesus? Who is this guy that says we need to love him more than we love our family? Now, Jesus isn't saying that we're not supposed to love our family. No, we're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to love our family, but we're supposed to love him more. We know that when Jesus shared hard teachings and said hard things, that the crowds a lot of times dispersed. They went away. It was too hard for them to hear. And I want to encourage us today Maybe you're hearing the words of Jesus for the first time. Maybe they're just ringing loud in your ears this morning and they're hard to hear. I want us to encourage us not to be a part of the crowd that walks away when we hear something hard from Jesus. That we rather sit there and let Jesus finish what he has to say, hearing him out and understanding where he's coming from. Now, I remember uh, back in middle school PE class, and if any of you are middle school PE teachers, I can't imagine what you go through because I know the trouble we caused in that class. And I remember there was a day that we were doing things that we probably weren't supposed to. And the teacher grabbed me and pulled me aside and said, Justin, if you keep following these kids, you're going to turn out just like them. I don't know why. I don't remember who it was. I don't remember if they turned out to be my friends or not. I don't know why the teachers seemed to think they were the problem and I wasn't. But the point is, and, and the point is true, that those that we follow, those that we spend time with, those relationships that, that matter to us, we begin to look like them. Even at that age in middle school, because those friendships mattered to me, I was choosing to do things that I knew probably weren't right. But I was doing it because I wanted to please those around me. I spent time with them and I began to look like the rest of the crowd. 
But what Jesus is saying is that when we have those other relationships and those are our priority, yeah, we're going to begin to look like them and act like them. But when we make Jesus the priority in our relationship, and in a relationship we spend time with that person, don't we? We talk with that person. It's a priority. When we spend time with Jesus and make him the number one priority in our life, that number one relationship, then guess what? You and I begin to look like Jesus because we've spent that time with him. Our loyalty is with him. And so if he asks us to do something, we want to please him because that's the relationship that matters most to you and I. And what's amazing about it is when we put Jesus first in our life and love him more than anything, our capacity to love those other people in our life actually increases and we end up loving them more than we ever would have. So Jesus must become or must come before all your relationships. Maybe even cross that your out and change that to mine this morning. Make it more personal. If that wasn't enough, we go into the second time Jesus references not being my disciple. And he says, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. I think it's important for us to look at this one before we figure out what it does mean and take a look at what it doesn't mean. Because in culture and, and even in the church, we, we've used this phrase in ways that aren't the way Jesus originally intended it. And if, and if you've said it in this way, I'm not trying to criticize or draw attention to it. I know that it comes from a, a place of good intention. But so many times we've used the phrase, carry my cross to reference just the everyday burdens of this life. We've used it in relationship challenges or health struggles. And we say, this is just the cross that I'm supposed to bear. You're right. We go through challenges. We go through trials and burdens. But in this case, when Jesus references carrying your cross, he means something different. Now, again, the crowd at this time, Jesus hasn't gone to the cross. So they're still trying to figure out maybe exactly what this means. But when Jesus says to them, carry your cross, everyone in that crowd would have known exactly what he meant from this standpoint. It's one of the most horrific, painful, shameful ways to die. It's the way the Romans executed the Jews. They had to carry their own cross, which was so humiliating, to the place where they would end up being nailed to it and die. You see, the crowd would have realized, they would have realized that Jesus was talking about persecution and death. I think it's important for us just to, just to realize that Jesus is what, what he is asking us is to be willing to follow him at all costs. It's about surrendering our life. It's about dying to self, giving up our wants and our dreams and our everything that we desire and laying it at the feet of Jesus and saying, not my will, but your will be done. You know, that's really hard for us in the culture we live in, isn't it? We're all about self-preservation. We're not interested in pain and suffering and death. We want to avoid that. And our, and our culture is always talking about me, me, me. What do I want? What do I need? What makes me happy? Pursue that. 
And Jesus is saying the opposite. He's going against the culture. And he's saying, it's not about your will, it's about my will. Are you willing to lay down your life so that you can say, not my will, but your will be done? We have someone that was a part of this church a while back, and since then they've, they were from the Middle East and they've gone back to the Middle East. And they felt like God was calling them to go over there and share the gospel, share the love of Jesus, specifically with kids. And in talking with this individual, what you would know is they knew the cost. They know the cost. In the conversations, this person knows that by going over there and sharing the gospel in a place that's hostile to Christianity, there's a good chance that they may lose their life over it. It may cost them everything. But what this individual knows and, and understands is that the reason they were able to follow where God was leading them is because they had made the decision to surrender their life, to die to self. So it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So this individual was able to follow Jesus potentially to death because they had surrendered everything. Now, I'm not suggesting or saying that you surrendering your life means you have to go to a different country, share the gospel, potentially die for it. But you and I do have to wrestle and ask ourselves the question, are we willing to surrender our life to the point that we can truly say with anything and everything, with whatever God asks us to do, wherever he calls us, whatever it might be, are you and I willing to say, not my will, but your will be done. In order to do that, Jesus must come before yourself. Jesus has to become, come before yourself. Now after this, we, we get into a couple different parables that Jesus has in in this conversation. And he says this, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still long away off and will ask for terms of peace. We're not going to go into a great detail in, in these two parables, but, but what I want us to take from it this morning is just that Jesus in these parables is encouraging us and telling us to truly consider and think about the cost of following him. Jesus isn't into baiting and switching, right? He, he is being very upfront and transparent and saying, this is what you can expect. This is what I expect in need of you. Sit down and weigh it out. Are you willing to pay the cost? Will you put me before other people? Will you put me above yourself? In the story of the king going to war, it's literally a life and death matter on how we respond. In the example of building the tower, Jesus talks about not finishing the tower and the ridicule and the things that came along from that. Jesus wants us to be all in. 
Jesus doesn't want us to be half-hearted, lukewarm Christians that, that just get into it and then get out. He wants us to be committed and to see it all the way through because he wants you to look more like him. He wants you to have the impact. He wants that relationship with you and I. He moves into the third time that he says, you cannot be my disciple. And he says this, he says, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. Now, when we look at this, it's important to see that Jesus says, give up, not give away. There's a difference there. There's a difference there. And what Jesus is saying is that we need to think about the ownership of what we have. Jesus has talked about other relationships. He's talked about ourselves, And now he's talking about our possessions, the things that you and I have. And he's saying, I want you to give it up in the sense that I want you to turn over ownership to me. I need you to remember that everything belongs to me. Everything belongs to me. And everything that you have, I've given it to you. And I've given it to you to steward for my benefit, for my glory, and the ways that I have asked you to steward it. There's a difference when we look at being generous and still trying to hold on to it and being generous because we recognize it's not ours. Generosity flows from understanding that what you and I have, it's not ours. And let's be honest, when we think about that original crowd following him and thinking of possessions, you and I would look at him and we go, man, they, they didn't have very much compared to you and I. You and I live in a, in a country in a time where we have to have possessions to hold our possessions. But really, it doesn't matter whether we have a little or a lot. We all wrestle with the same problem that that little bit or that a lot can grab hold of our heart and get in the way. I remember not that long ago, um, I'd been saving some money over the years, just here and there. You know, you get a birthday card from a grandparent or you get some money from selling something, whatever it might be, just a little bit here and there. And, and over the years, I began to just stash that away. And I put it in a safe spot. And I, and I remember there'd be times that God would come to me and he'd encourage me to be generous with something. Somebody needed help. Someone needed something. And that, that money would come to mind, but it was just easier. And I'd go, oh, I'll just take it out of the bank account. Or I've got this money sitting over here. I'll, I'll take it out over here. Then there got to be a time where I started wondering one day, what am I going to do with that money? What am I going to do with it? I wonder, wonder what I should get myself. What would I like to do with it? What, what is something that I've wanted for a while? And I began thinking about it a little bit. And all of a sudden, I felt like God said, hey, I want you to be generous. I have something to do or I have something for you to do. And I've got to tell you, and I, and I wish I didn't have to tell you this, but the thought that came to my mind and my heart was, okay, God, I'll be generous however you want me to be, but not with that. You can't have that. That's mine, God. Man, that's embarrassing. I wish I didn't have to tell you. But I got I to gotta share with you that in that moment, man, my heart broke and I just said, God, I am sorry. 
I am sorry that that is the way my heart is right now. I didn't see it coming in. It snuck up on me. It's not like I wanted to be in that place, but all of a sudden I found myself thinking and believing that that over there was mine and that all of this was God's. I remember going to my wife and saying, okay, here's what just happened. Here's what happened. And I got to do something with this. I got to do something with this money. And I remember her saying, well, we could use it for this. We could pay for that. We have these different things going on. And, and I said, no, I can't. I can't benefit from it in any way. It has a grip on my heart and I have to just give it away. I just have to give it away. I, I can't benefit from it at all. I'm just going to give it away so that I know in my heart and I can show to God that it's not mine. It's not mine. It's his. And I gave it away to someone that needed it more. I'm not saying that with your possessions, you've got to give it away in the same thing. But I wonder if we were honest, if we sat down and really thought about what are those one, two, three things maybe that we view that same way that if God came to you and said, I want you to let this go and give it away. Is it the boat? Is it the car? Is it the house? Is it the bank account? That your response might be, God, you can have anything, but not that. That's mine. That kind of a response would, would show you and I that our possessions have a grip on us has a position in our heart. And having possessions isn't wrong, but they cannot possess you and I. Jesus must come before all of your possessions. Jesus finishes up with this, where he starts talking about salt. And we know that Jesus refers to us as the salt of the earth, that he wants us to make a difference. And the thing is, is discipleship is just that, is that when we spend time with Jesus, as we begin to look like Jesus, you and I begin to have an impact in this world because we don't look like the world anymore. We stand out. We have the characteristics and the qualities of Jesus, and we begin to change our surroundings. I don't know about you, but wouldn't you like to see your family and your home different? Wouldn't you like to see this church different? Wouldn't you like to see our community and the world around us different? Well, it comes from you and I being and looking like Jesus. He wants to use the church. He wants to use you and me. But what he's asking for is a completely surrendered life. One that we begin to look more and more like him every single day. And it doesn't mean that we're not going to fall or stumble or there's not going to be issues and challenges in our journey. But it means that we're growing to be more like him each and every day so that we can have that influence, so we can have that impact. So our families change, our church changes, our community change, our world changes because you and I look like Jesus. In the beginning, I told you that Jesus is coming from a place of love. And I know that it's, it's hard to hear some of that because it causes us to loosen up our grip on some things. But Jesus truly is coming from a place of love because he wants an unobstructed relationship with you. 
Jesus loves you so much that he did everything he needed to do and everything that was only in his power to remove obstacles so you and I could be in relationship with him. It's what we're getting ready to celebrate at Easter. Jesus removed the power of sin and death so that you and I could be in an unobstructed relationship with him. What Jesus is challenging you and I with today is to do what we need to do on our end to let go of things, to remove obstacles out of our life and out of our heart so that we can experience that unconditional flow of love back and forth in a perfect relationship. That's what he desires. And I promise you, I promise you it's worth it. As, as you follow Jesus, you will never experience a more full, a more rich life than when you surrender your will for his and begin to follow him. Jesus loves you. Jesus wants us to let go of things. Let's say that this stool, I'm going to use a stool for example here. Let's say this stool represents the things of the world that we just talked about. It represents our, the, the relationships. It represents ourself. It represents our possessions. With discipleship, what Jesus is wanting is for us to take his hand and literally go on a journey with him towards spiritual maturity, looking more and more like him every single day. So many times we, we say yes to that and we say, okay, Jesus, take my hand and take me. Grow me to look more like you. And as we're grabbing his hand, we do this. And we grab on to the things of this world and we hold on to it thinking, okay, I can have one hand on the things of this world and I can have the other hand with Jesus and then we'll go. But it doesn't work like that. This is an anchor for us. The things of the world we can't take with us on that spiritual journey. And when we're holding on to it, we can't go. We can't go with Jesus where he wants to take us and wants to lead us. He's asking you and I today that those things of the world that we're still holding on to, that have a place in our heart, he wants us to let go of it so that we can actually go with him where he wants to lead us, so we can grow to look more and more like him. That's his desire for you and for me. My friends, the only thing that costs us more than following Jesus is not following Jesus. The only thing that costs us more than following Jesus is not following Jesus. So my question that I started with is the same question that we'll begin to close things out with, and it's this, that as we're walking this journey with Jesus along the road to the cross, and Lent is a time of reflection and preparing our hearts to walk this journey with Jesus. As he walks by that road, as he walks in front of you, will you be part of the crowd that just watches Jesus walk right on by? Or are you going to be a part of the crowd that is behind him, walking as his disciple, step in step in step? letting go of the things of the world and following him wherever he may lead you. You might be wondering, what do I do with this? 
Where do I go with this? You know, to be honest, we're really good at doing, aren't we? We're always looking for something to do. We're not always very good at just being. My challenge today for us, and, and what do you do with this, is to go be. To go be with Jesus. That's hard. It's hard just to sit there in the stillness and reflect because guess what? That begins to bring things up inside of us that maybe we don't want to see. We don't want to hear. We don't want to know. But that's part of the journey with Jesus is that coming to light and learning about ourselves to let go of those things and let Jesus do the work in our heart that he needs to do. So whether it's today, whether it's this next week, whether it's over the course of Lent, but I would challenge you to just be with Jesus and ask him, Lord, are there any relationships that I've put ahead of ours? Lord, is there anything in my own life that I'm still holding on to where I'm still sitting on the throne and I need to let it go so I can die to myself so I can fully follow you? Lord Jesus, is, is there anything, any possessions, anything that I have that I have thought is mine? that I haven't given up ownership to, that has taken up residency in my heart that I need to let go. Ask those questions, but then be still and listen. Jesus closed out with hearing. If you have ears, hear. We got to hear what he has to say to us. If the answer comes really fast, I would encourage you to sit a little longer. That might be your answer and not God's. But just sit there at his feet, be still with him, be quiet and listen. And if there is something to do from today, that action is going to come from Jesus. He's going to share with you in that moment, what is it that you need to do in your life to let go of those things so that you can follow him wherever he goes? Go be with Jesus, listen to Jesus, and then go do what he's asked you to do. I want to encourage you just that maybe if you're wrestling with this today and you're trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus. Maybe you've never made that decision and and you're looking at wanting to make that choice today. Or you want to know more about discipleship opportunities, the things that the church provides to help grow you into spiritual maturity. I would encourage you to go out to starting point in the foyer and just talk with someone. They'll talk more with you about what that might look like or if it's interested in a class or a life group, they can get your information and we can follow back up with you. But you and I, Jesus has called us to be his disciples, to put our loyalty and our trust in him and him alone. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we we thank you for the hard words. We thank you that you love us so much that you would challenge us to to our very depth and our core and our being. Because what we want more than anything is to be fully committed to you. We want to look like you, Jesus. So whatever needs to happen and in our hearts and our lives, may you do that work so that we may be your disciples, looking like you, living like you, making a difference in our families, in this church, in our community. For we are yours. May it not be our will 
but your will be done. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Would you stand and receive the blessing? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance and give you his peace. Now go, be Jesus, and make a difference.